this is an exciting day today. Uh, we got a lot of people out traveling and that kind of stuff. Rob's out of town, uh, hence Tom and Lauren helping us out with worship. Thank you so much, guys. Um, yes, awesome job. Appreciate that. Um, we, uh, we are um, finishing our fourth month together as a church. That's kind of exciting, four months. Statistically, a lot of churches don't make it six months, and I know we haven't quite made it six months yet, but I do feel good about where we're at. I like what God is doing. He has definitely been, uh, been moving with us, and uh, you know, it's been a great ride so far. We worked with a group out of Virginia to plant this church, and they have a 430-step process to start a church. And it took a year to do it. It's called Passion for Planting. I got their little sticker right there. They're awesome. Uh, and, you know, Meredith and I, through our lifetimes, we've started several businesses. We've had rebellious teenagers. Um, we've had all kinds of issues in our lives. Bar none, this is the hardest thing we have ever done in our lives, is starting this church. I'm just telling you, it's uh, the constant battles uh, with, with just life and Satan just throwing up everything, coming after us with our family. And you guys have heard so much about the cancer of our son-in-law and our granddaughter and NICU and just all the stuff that we've struggled with over the last year. But you know what? God's been faithful. He has been faithful. And right in the beginning of the church, we had a guy come visit one Sunday morning, and he had planted several churches. And he looked at me and he said, Rob, out of the blue, Rob, you're going to have Holy Spirit additions and Holy Spirit subtractions from this church. I thought, well, that's kind of odd. But he's right. You know what? God has brought some incredible people to this church who have gifts and talents, and they have abilities that I don't have, that Merit doesn't have. And uh, he's also taken people who aren't really, uh, they, they just didn't find a home here. A lot of people moved, people got sick and took off and and. You know, God is building what God is building here, and it's a reminder for me that He's the one in charge, not us, right? It's not about us. You know, we had really big dreams for this church when we started this church, um, and I can't say that we're not on track. Maybe we're a little smaller than we want to be. We don't have necessarily all the, all the resources that we want right now, but you know what? We still have these dreams that God has given us. In Zechariah 4.10, it says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Yeah. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't look down on Don't get frustrated. Don't play the comparison games with other churches that are in town. You know, I've said for a long time, I've said, you know, we're not, we're not the, the greatest church in Cape Coral. We're just the latest. Well, we can't even say that anymore. There's a new church starting next month here in Cape Coral. So we're not going to be the latest or the greatest. Uh, but you know what? We can do things that only God has equipped us to do as a church. We can reach people that only God has equipped us to reach as a church. And uh, so we can't focus on all the negative stuff, okay? Look, if you want a guy who is a 10 times better speaker than I are, than I are, see, perfect example, than I am, Ten times better speakers, better stage presence. Man, Corey over at Cape Christian, that guy will knock it out of the park. He's an incredible speaker. If you want an incredible band, man, Cape Christian, Crosspoint, those guys all have entire teams that do that. We're building that, but we can't despise where we are today. We are where we are, and it's up to the Holy Spirit and God to build this church, and it's not about us. Today's message is called Five Years From Now. 
And it's really the vision that we have for restoration. Who do we want to be five years from now? What impact do we want to be making in Cape Coral and that kind of thing? In Proverbs, it says that without a vision, the people perish, right? So let's all get on the same page of who we want to be as a church. You know, I've got my own dreams. I mean, I look at Hillsong and think, you know what, Rob and, and Tom and Eric and man, we could all get together and we could write our own worship music, and man, we could just be rocking the world with a worship set. We could have an incredible kids program like the Orange Theory group guys do, and, and we could be writing our own curriculum and you know, empowering churches all over the country. Um, man, we could have a teacher up front who's really powerful and strong, uh, you know, but it doesn't matter what I think, does it? It's not my vision here. This is about what God is doing through us. It's not about my, goal, about my goals. God has a plan for restoration. That's what we want to talk about today. What is the impact that he wants us to make in Cape Coral, Florida? What is the, what is the difference that we're going to make in Lee County? How are we going to be a light for Christ in the state of Florida? And how are we going to advance the kingdom around the world through missions and church planting and all that kind of stuff? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Guys, God has a plan for us. He has a plan for restoration. Now, this message comes with a warning, by the way, okay? Just because it looks good on a piece of barnwood doesn't mean it's true, all right? And there are churches out there that take this verse and they take it completely out of context. And they say, oh, here you go, Jeremiah 29, 11. God wants you to be happy and healthy and wealthy and wise. And if you just accept Christ, everything in your life will fall into place and it'll be perfect. They have that name it, claim it, believe it, receive it kind of mentality going on there. And that's not what the Bible teaches, okay? Uh, I like that message better, <laughs> But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are going to have problems. And in context, it says, For thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. You see, God says that he has a promise to give us strength to endure what we're going through. To put this into context, the children of Israel are in captivity when this is going on. And they're going to be in captivity for 70 more years before we get to verse 11 that says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare. That's 70 years down the road. And, you know, we often, we want answers from God. Man, we want them by the end of the day. And he's saying, no, it's 70 years down the road. I was going to say, we want them by the end of the, he'll give them to us by the end of the decade. But the decade ends in three days, and there's no promise that we're going to get all of our answers in three days. So it kind of messed up that point that I was going to make. But... There is a danger to the false teaching here that God wants you to be happy, healthy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. There are three responses that a lot of people have to that. Number one, they believe that they don't have enough faith. Man, if I just had more faith, God would give me what I wanted. God would heal my son-in-law. God would take my granddaughter out of the NICU. All those kinds of things. And they blame it on themselves. Number two, people say, you know, is God really even there? And they begin to question his existence. And number three, they question if God hates them. Am I so bad of a person that God couldn't love me because of what I've done in my past, 
Because of that kind of stuff, God doesn't love me. I'm going to tell you, all that is a teaching straight from the pits of hell that God wants you to be happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Okay? The Bible doesn't teach that. But God has a plan for us to be patient and to trust him, and he will give us the strength to endure what we are going through. He says that he wants to give us a future and a hope, and God has a plan for restoration. So those nights <laughs> when I'm trying to figure out how all of this is going to work together and I'm not sleeping and I'm arguing with God and we're frustrated and we're trying to figure out uh, who all is going to be in what places and how all this is going to work, I have to remember those nights are for me. This verse is for me. God knows the plan that he has for us. So who are we going to be in five years? That's the question for today. Who do we want to be? What will we be known for? What's the impact that we will be making? There are three things I want us to be known for as a church. Number one, restoration will be a place where people discover their purpose. You know, there's a lot of people who move to Florida, and they have this vacation mindset. And they think, you know, if I just move down to paradise, the waterfront wonderland, man, everything will be great in my life. And I'll go to work for a little bit, and then I can just party, and I can drink, and I don't have to plan for the future, and it's all about me. Life becomes me, me, me for people in Southwest Florida. As I say, they're driven by the isms, right? Secularism and consumerism and materialism and individualism. You have all these isms that control who we are and how we live and interact with the world. If it makes me feel good, do it. You know, there's a guy in the Old Testament by the name of uh, Solomon. Solomon was the son of King David, and he had everything you could imagine. He had a 1,000 women at his disposal. He could do whatever he wanted. He had money. He had power. He had prestige. He was the wisest man that ever lived, and I don't know how the wisest man ever had a 1,000 women he had to deal with, but... Uh, the Bible says he was the wisest man. But you know what? In Ecclesiastes, he says all that stuff is meaningless. It's all meaningless. It's vanity. That's not what is really important to us in the world. And, you know, there's a lot of people, they move down here, and they just, I'm just not, I'm tired of the day-to-day -day rat race that I'm in there. And so they move to Florida, and you know what they find out? They find out that they're still a rat with no track to run on. And they begin chasing everything this world has to offer them. And they, then they find out that all that stuff is empty. They've tried everything the world has to offer, and they go, why am I here? Is this really what life is all about? Is there, is there no meaning to this? Why am I created? You know, Christianity, they think is too easy. Sometimes they... We live in a place where people are antagonistic to the gospel. Less than 12% of people in Cape Coral actually go to church. 88% of the people in this community are sitting at home or on their boats or doing whatever right now. And they don't look to it. But you know what? God is bringing the right people, and I love the people he's bringing, and people are going to find their purpose, and they're going to find out what their spiritual gifts are in this church. And they're going to find out uh, what how God knit them uniquely to fit into the kingdom. And they may be somebody that can be on a worship team. They may be able to play. They may be able to sing. We may have people who say, you know what, I love kids. We got two people that basically take care of the kids back there. Taylor, who's got to work this morning, and Meredith. 
If anybody has a heart for kids, we need help back there. We'd love to have people that we could have in and out of there so that they aren't always the two that have to be back there. Hannah also helps every week. Um, we need help back there. Um, you know, we have people in this church who have a heart to reach the lost and to reach out into their communities and serve. And we're developing patterns of doing that right now. Uh, this afternoon, we're giving away 160 Christmas gifts that got lost in shipment. They finally came in. We're giving away 160 Christmas gifts this afternoon to kids whose parents are in prison. We have, a, we have a heart to serve here, and those are ways that people can find their purpose. Some people may say, you know what, I would love to be in leadership. I would love to be able to, like, lead a Bible study. Well, we're beginning com community groups at the end of January. We're going to start sign-ups next week. If you want to lead one, that's great. Or maybe you want to lead one and you go, you know, my house isn't really set up to do it. Maybe we got somebody who's got a house that says, I don't want to lead. Let's put you together. So if somebody's got a house, somebody's got a, a, a desire to lead, let's put you together so that we can begin to reach out to our community. Invite your friends to come hear more about what we're doing in restoration. We want people to discover their purpose here at Restoration. Number two, Restoration will be a family of authentic relationships. Guys, this is hard. I am telling you, this is hard. But we were made to be in relationship with each other. You know, in Genesis chapter 1 at creation, at the end of every day of creation, God said, it is good. It is good. And the word good in Hebrew means it's exactly what he was trying to create. And when he got to day six, he created all the animals the first half of the day. And he said, it is good. And then he looked around because Adam was alone. And he said, it's not good that man's alone. That's the only part of creation that was not good. It wasn't what God was looking for, is that man was alone. So God created Eve, his helper, the word azer in, in Hebrew. And this is a word that doesn't mean it's some like subservient being who's just going to take care of him like the leave it to beaver generation taught us. Okay? It's the wife's not a subservient person to the husband. This is like the Azer is a helper that you can't do without. In the Psalms, when David is, is lost and he's alone and he's facing death, David says, where will my help come from? My help will come from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's the same word. This is something David's life is falling apart, and he needs an Azer, a helper, for him to survive. That's the same word. We were created to be in relationships. We were not meant to do life alone. Reality is life is empty without love and relationships. And we want to be a place of authentic relationships. You see, we're not whole when we're in isolation. The worst, what's, the worst penalty, what's the worst penalty you can get when you're in prison? Solitary. They throw you in isolation. That's the worst thing they do to you because you're then alone. Guys, we've got to be able to be real with each other. We've got to be able to share our struggles. When we're having a bad day, we've got to be able to share that. And you know what? You may, be the <laughs> you may be the receptor of somebody having a bad day. And how do we respond to that when somebody's having a bad day? Do we look at them and go, man, I can't believe you did that to me? Or do we say, man, are you okay? That's not like you. You're not normally like that. What's going on? See, there's a difference in the heart. And that heart towards relationships and having authentic relationships says, how can I help, not what's wrong with you in a negative way? That takes an incredible amount of love. And we have to share a common mission. It's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God, right? It's about advancing the kingdom. That's why we're here. It's not about us. I love the Francis Chan quote. I've seen it 
put on a meme on Facebook. You know, the two monkeys are sitting next to each other. And one of them, the first monkey says, you know, I really didn't like worship today. And the second monkey goes, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you anyway. You see, it's not about us. We are here to worship God. It's not about us. We have to bear with each other our burdens. I heard a story this week, two stories. The first one was about a guy who walked into a church and he forgot to silence his phone, which reminds me, my phone that is doing Facebook Live is not silenced right now. Um, the, uh, he's sitting in church, the pastor is praying, and his phone goes off. And the pastor looks up and scowls at him while he's praying. And, and the woman behind him hits him on the shoulder and says, mute your phone. And all the way home from church, his wife is just, I can't believe you did that. That was so embarrassing. That man never went back to that church again. Later that afternoon, he was frustrated, so he went to the local bar. And he sat down at the bar, and he was a little nervous, and the wait waitress came over, how you doing today, honey? And she, she gave him a beer, and as he went to pick it up, it slipped out of his hand, hit the table, fell off the table, beer went everywhere, broke the glass. And he's all nervous already because of the morning he had. And she came over, started wiping the table, sound. I said, don't worry about it. That happens all the time. And the busboy ran out of the back, and he started cleaning up the glass. He said, relax, man. This kind of stuff happens all the time. It's no big deal. And the manager came over and said, man, I saw what happened. Here, have another beer on me. Sorry about that. That man has been back to that bar every single day. Guys, we've got to love people where they are, and when they're having a bad day, we've got to come around and help. I was on the phone with a young man earlier this week who used to be in the bar scene, used to be an addict, and he became a Christian, and he had a flat tire a few weeks ago. And he called a guy from his local church who had said, if you ever need anything, let me know. So the guy showed up to help him find a tire and gave him a hard time for the next four hours about... I can't believe you can't find the tire you want, and you better have money because I'm not paying for this tire. And the guy just gave him a hard time through the whole thing. He told me, he said, Rob, he said, I, just, I don't know that I ever want to go back to a church again. He said, if I was still back in the bar scene and doing drugs, I'd have had 30 people helping me. He said, it would have driven me nuts how many people wanted to help me. I would have told them to leave me alone because I had so many people trying to help me. Guys, we've got to be known as a loving community that embraces people and helps them through times of trouble. We need to be a family with authentic relationships. Number three, restoration will be a home where people find hope, healing, and restoration. You know, during that 430-step planting process, uh, they said you need to come up with a name for your church. And we put a lot of thought and effort into what we would name restoration, and we thought of some great Greek words and be a real cool trendy church with some Greek word as the name or, or some ambiguous word that means whatever you think it might mean. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to mention any of them because I have friends who have planted churches with all those names. Uh, <laughs> but the word restoration to us is extremely important. We serve a God of restoration. We serve a God who brings hope. He brings healing. He brings restoration. That's who we serve. And a name is important. So how are we going to be a church of restoration? We want to serve the hurting. We want to serve people who are broken. Christmas Day, we had like nine of us go up to a place, and we packed a 1,000 meals to be given to the homeless that day. Today, we're delivering gifts to 160 kids whose parents are in prison. 
Mike sent me some information last night about a Habitat build at the end of January that I think that we ought to be a part of. Go out and spend the day helping. We're starting a recovery program in January. We're going to do classes around parenting and budgeting and all kinds of stuff to help people figure out life and do it all from a biblical perspective. We want people to find wholeness. We want people to have joy when they're going through times of trouble because they have a family around them that loves them and supports them well. And this isn't that churchy happiness is a choice kind of thing. You ever just want to punch a pastor in the head? Uh, oh, happiness is a choice, whatever. That was me hitting you. We want real life and joy, even when life doesn't make sense. And that's what he says in, in Jeremiah 29, 11, is he'll give us the strength to go through those hard times. And more importantly, we want people to find restoration with Christ. You know, for the last 19 years, 17 years, Meredith and I have run a ministry in Middle Tennessee, which we're now shutting down where we worked in jails, halfway houses, homeless shelters, churches, corporate America. We were all over the place. And we said right from day one, if we help somebody break an addiction and get on their feet and find employment and create a whole new legacy for their family, but we don't introduce them to Christ, then we've failed. That's why we're here. We are here to give people hope through Christ, not through money, not through sober living, none of that junk. Our hope comes from Christ. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not your evil, to give you hope in the future. And then go on to verse 12. And it says, then you will call upon me and come to me and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You see, there's a caveat there. We're supposed to go to God. He's supposed to be the reason that we're here. He's supposed to be the reason that all of this happens. We're supposed to call on Him. We're supposed to pray to Him. So what is our role in all of this? What does this look like? What do we have to do? What do we have to be committed to for us to be that place five years from now that makes the impact through, through recovery services and, and felt needs ministries for people? Um, by the way, uh, speaking of felt needs, we're also going uh, a week and a half and go a week and a half from now on a Monday night. We're feeding a group in, in North Fort Myers, a homeless group that we're going to go feed with. Anybody's available that Monday night. Um, but what does that look like? What do we need to do to be prepared to be the church that God is calling us to be? What is our role? Number one, we need to commit to pray. What did it say right there in verse 11 and 12? It said, come to me and pray to me. That's the first thing we have to do. Guys, we have to be people of prayer. People of prayer every day, every night. I think of the story as I've been working through all this stuff about plans for 2020 and budgets and all this kind of stuff that I got to go through. I keep thinking of the woman, the, the elderly women who kept coming to the judge every day and saying, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. She came every single day, and finally, this evil judge gave her justice because she was just bugging the stew out of him. And how much greater does the Father in heaven love you that he will give you what you ask for when you do it coming from his perspective, not for a selfish motive, but for the kingdom? Guys, we need a prayer ministry around here. We got a young lady sitting right up here who has a statewide ministry where they pray over every single school in the state of Florida. We need people to come together weekly and pray for Ida Baker High School, for the teachers, for the students, for the staff. 
We're going to hear more about that in the next couple of weeks. It's called Moms in Prayer. That we are going to be the, we are going to be the church that adopts at least this school, if not more schools in Cape Coral, Florida, that we will pray on a weekly basis. Number two, you have to commit to your own personal spiritual growth. You know, we're not, we don't want to be a bunch of pew sitters that come in here. That's not the kind of church that, that God called us to build. We need to get out of these seats and we need to get out into the streets and we need to start doing what God is calling us to do. And that means that not only do we pray, it means that we read the Word. Every day in the Bible. We just went through the 24 days of 24 verses of chapters of Luke before the day of Christmas. Starting January 1st, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. Guess how many days in January there are? 31. A proverb a day. It's a great book of the Bible to get some great wisdom from. There's places in the journal for you to write down what your favorite verse is. Share it on the Facebook page. Share it on the in the in the group that we have for the church. Share that. Go deeper into what you're learning and grow personally. And that means that you, maybe you need to be in a discipleship relationship with somebody where you can be in an accountability situation where, where you help them grow and they help you grow. And you can be open and honest and have those authentic relationships with people. Number three, we need to commit to fellowship. Now, we're actually pretty good at this. We like coming together and having a good time, don't we? We do a lot of dinners together. We do a lot of meals together. We've already got plans for New Year's Eve at their house. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. But fellowship isn't just for the point of getting together and partying. It's where we build those authentic relationships. It's where we build those discipleship relationships where we can grow together. And if anybody, seriously, if you guys want to get into a discipleship relationship with somebody, let me know. There are some great books that you can begin to go through as, as two people where you can learn and go deeper in your faith. Number four, commit to serve. As I said, we need help with the worship team. Right now we've got a guitar player, we got Rob on guitar and lead, Tom plays guitar, and we got Eric who plays bass. We need drummers, we need somebody to play keyboards, we need additional people to sing. We got a lot of help needed back there with the kids' area. We've got teenagers that are starting to show up occasionally. We need somebody to say, you know what, I'll help with the teens. I'll start doing something with the teens on a regular basis. There are plenty of ways to serve in the church, but more importantly, we need to serve outside the church as well. Just as much as we need it here, we need it out there. We need to serve this community. The first Tuesday in January, we're feeding breakfast to 195 staff members right here at the church. We fed them lunch before, church, before school began, and now we're feeding them breakfast, which I guarantee will be a whole lot easier than feeding them lunch. Danishes are better than doing a whole big taco bar. Um, but we can serve. You know, this school has never been adopted by a church like this. They've never had a church invest in this school. We got a great letter from the school the other day, a Christmas card, and there were probably 50 teachers who said this thing, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this community. Thank you for what you're doing in this, in this school. Guys, there's ways to serve. Number five, commit to invest. Invest emotionally. This is our church. This isn't my church. This isn't your church. This is our church that God is building in us and through us. So commit to invest uh, emotionally, intellectually. Challenge us. You know, it says in the Bible that, that uh, be a, a good Berean it means that you study the Word for yourself. Study what I'm saying. Guys, if I say something that's not right with the Bible, call me on it. Challenge me. 
I'm asking you to do that. Because to me, truth is the most important thing that we have from up here. And if I'm out of line, tell me I'm out of line. Commit to invest financially. I mean, it, it keeps the doors open. As, as we said in the, in the video, 10% in the Old Testament is what they said to bring to the, to the temple so that the work of the Lord could be done. And the New Testament says, well, it's not about just the 10%, it's about the heart. And a lot of us in America, we see that 10%, oh, it's about the heart. Well, I'm supposed to give with a grateful heart, so here, I'll just give $5. You know, Jesus never made it easier in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he said, don't kill your brother. In the New Testament, he said, if you have thoughts of murder, then you've already killed him in your heart. But don't commit adultery. Well, if you think about a woman and commit adultery in your heart, it's not about the 10%. Give with your heart. He's saying you are free to give more. That's why we say it's a great place to aim for and a great place to launch from. Give back to the Lord. And number six, commit to share. Invite your friends. Tell your neighbors. It's uncomfortable. I know that. It's uncomfortable to tell your neighbors and your friends, hey, I go to church on Sunday morning, especially in a community that has almost 90% of the people that don't go to church. It's hard. I get that. I get that. It doesn't have to be that big of a deal, though. We got those little two-by-two -two blue cards that are back there on the welcome table. Take one of those. It's got all the information about the church on it. Leave it for the waitress when you're, after you give her a good tip, by the way. Uh, if you're going to be chintzy, don't leave a card for restoration. Uh, there are other churches I can give you their cards. Uh, <laughs> give a good tip and leave a card. Tell your friends. That's the great part about starting the community groups uh, next month. Invite your friends over. Have them come over, and, and we'll go deeper into the sermon. We'll have questions related to the sermon where we learn how to apply what we're learning on Sunday mornings to our lives on a weekly basis. Share it with your friends. Go out and serve. Invest in the church. Guys, God has some incredible things that only we can do. There's no other church that can do what we do because no other church has us as the core. And those churches, we can't do what they do because we don't have them as the core of who we are. This is who God has called us to be. And guys, we can change this world from Cape Coral, Florida. We can be the light of Christ around the world, supporting missions and planting churches. And yeah, I'd love to write our own worship stuff and our own kids' programs, all that kind of stuff. But more importantly, I want us to be a place where people say the presence of the Lord is in that building because the people pray and the people serve and the people love and the people grow. Guys, that's who God has called us to be, an authentic community, serving the community and loving each other well. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you even for the struggles that we had setting up this morning with iPads not working and electronics not working properly. Lord, thank you for that. It's not about those things, it's about you. Lord, thank you for the days that you've given us up till now, and thank you for the, the vision that you've given us for the future to be a place of hope, a place of healing, a, a place where people feel loved and wanted, no matter their story, they're wanted and loved at restoration. Lord, equip us, use us to make a difference for you in this community. Lord, move within our hearts to have that commitment to do whatever it is to make you the number one priority in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to Restoration Christian Church's podcast. If you need to talk with us about your faith, email info at restorationcape.com. If you want to learn more about restoration or support this ministry, go to www.restorationcape.com. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you join us next week.